watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit and in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7. ESPN Radio. Heard. 96.5 FM. Heard wherever you are. Whatever you are doing on the ESPN app. Seen, heard, and everything in between. On the magical QSportsTalk.com. You can watch a radio show as it happens. You can watch a man yell and scream about sports. You can watch a man drink his uh, water. You can watch a man maybe pick his nose once in a while. I don't know. Like, I'm in here two hours a day. I just forget the cameras there. I'm sorry. When you got a boogie in the woogie, you just sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So you just you get the whole experience when you watch this show on Q Sports Talk. Com. You get the live chat where you can opine as much as you'd like throughout the show. Now, if you want to call 437-7644 and do it, the, uh, not, I don't want to say the old-fashioned way. It's still a current way, but, you know, it has a little more impact because it's a voice that people hear and, and it resonates. And you know what Scooter sounds like. And you know what the great Stephen North Syracuse sounds like. And you, these characters that make up this theater of the mind production that we bring to you. But if you prefer to just lay back and do it digitally and chime in on the chat, the cool thing about that is you can chime in as much as you'd like uh, throughout the show. And then uh, let me remind you that uh, when the radio audience goes to commercial breaks, our friends on QSportsTalk.com do not. We keep the mic on, we keep the camera on, and we just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. That's what we do. Can't hold me back anymore. We have a great Football Friday show for you. We're excited about this Football Friday show for you. It's not the pick six, it's the pick four, because we are about to enter what is traditional, what is usually, what is a weekend that never lets you down. It is usually the best weekend of the NFL playoffs, sometimes just flat out the best weekend of sports, not NCAA tournament related, not Final weekend at the Masters related, because I think those things are better. But, man, sometimes that divisional round just blows you away. And we're hoping for that this weekend with four terrific games in the National Football League. Eric Wood of the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, former Buffalo Bill, will join us on the Dusky Sports Bar and Grill Hotline. Dusky Sports Bar and Grill, you can find a Bridge Street in Phoenix. 
at 4.30. We'll get his take on the Bills and the Bengals. I will give you the pick four later in the show. Uh, the segment's called the pick six, but uh, you get it. There's only four games this weekend. So that is on the way. We've actually got a lot of SU football to get into today, and we will do that shortly in the monologue here with yet another coach uh, departing from this staff, Syracuse and Georgia Tech, noon tip tomorrow. Uncle Brent will be with you, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, bringing you Syracuse-Georgia Tech pregame. So we are uh, going into another basketball matchup here, and which falls under the category of don't slip on a banana peel. Syracuse is nowhere near the NCAA tournament as we speak. They're not even near the bubble. In order to get there, they have to, of their 12 remaining games, eight of those 12 are quad one, quad two games as it stands now. Tomorrow is not one of those games. It is one of those don't-screw-it-up kind of games. And By the way, they get Georgia Tech twice. Once in Atlanta tomorrow, they'll come back to the Dome towards the end of the season. So twice against Georgia Tech, starting with tomorrow, just don't screw it up kind of game. I know it's the ACC and anybody can beat anybody on a given day and Georgia Tech beat Miami and all these things I'm supposed to say and Syracuse can't thumb their nose at anybody. I get that, but it doesn't change the status of what this game is. Don't screw it up. So we will get into that. Hot takes to come your way and much more as we say in the radio business and much more throughout the afternoon. Here's where we start. Little Syracuse football on Friday, January 20th, appropriate because it is a football Friday. Dino Babers has now lost half of his coaching staff. Now, let me immediately follow up by saying they've replaced most of these names. Robert and I leaves, Jason Beck elevated. Tony White leaves, Rocky Long hired. Mike Schmidt, the latest coach we learned about today, offensive line coach, is heading for Mississippi State, Syracuse immediately puts out a statement that Steve Farmer will take over coming in from Tulsa. So one in, one out. But that's been the point is that door has not stopped revolving since the not only the end of the season, but since the pinstripe bowl and just it feels like there's only been five of them, but it feels like every other day yet another coach departs. Look, something's up here. You don't see this many coaches leave a staff unless the head coach is either A, fired, or B, there is a fear that that coach will not have stability. And I think that's a key word here. And stability is not a word you should use in college sports, particularly in college football. We've been very spoiled in that department. You know, we've seen the same basketball coach here for 47 years. We saw the same lacrosse coach here for a number of years, be it Roy Simmons Jr. or John Desco. I mean, Paul Pascaloni coached here from 1991 to 2004. Like, we are home of the anomalies, right? You're never going to see a Jim Beheim again in your life. What typically happens is coaching staffs in college sports have much shorter shelf lives, in particular in college football. So even in a world that is run by vagabonds, even in a world where these coaches know rent do not buy, they will seek whatever kind of stability they can within the context of that. You know, coaching opportunities come down to a few things. They come down to relationships. They come down to opportunity. They come down to pay. 
and they come down to stability. I can go in a number of other things in there, but that's the root of it there. Relationships, opportunity, pay, stability. Mike Schmidt came in two years ago and fixed an offensive line that was a mess. Tommy DeVito, in the two years prior to that, had been the most sacked quarterback in all of college football. Now, there was a number of injuries. The 2020 season was just an absolute train wreck for a number of reasons. Injury-wise, the pandemic was going on. It was just, you almost want to just slap a giant asterisk on it, but they gave up the most amount of sacks in college football in those two years. That is a fact, right? Mike Schmidt comes in stabilizes things. Now, in that first year, they still had a lot of injuries and couldn't just get a consistent lineup left to right. But Sean Tucker, the records that he set, you had Matthew Bergeron and Aaron Service, honored as all ACC guys. And by and large, there are flaws here. Syracuse was the most penalized team in the country last year, and a number of those were procedure penalties, offsides penalties. I don't want to pick on him, but numbers are what they are. Carlos Vettorello was primarily responsible for a lot of those, but he was not alone in that category. So, look, Mike Schmidt had his flaws, but by and large, people like Mike Schmidt. They like the job that he did. He's an assistant coach that you knew. Uh, If you never got the opportunity to go to a practice or or hear Mike Schmidt, he was one of the more (laughs) louder voices on the field. It's a very colorful language. Football coaches say some naughty words here and there, but – Passionate guy, but again, we circle back to because Dino Babers does not allow his assistant coaches to talk to the media, we never really get to know these guys. We just have to look at the results on the field and kind of piece together some things from off-field conversations in in other ways, right? But make no mistake about it, Mike Schmidt is a respected coach in his field, and he did some great work with this offensive line. Overall, again, has flaws, but... I think you'll take what he did the last two years versus the two years prior to that, where I guess you had nowhere to go but up. So Mike Schmidt is going to go to Mississippi State, where Zach Arnett is. So Zach Arnett, who was the defensive coordinator here for about five minutes, reneged on that, which led to Tony White coming in, which was probably a better choice. Zach Arnett, remember, elevated to be the head coach at Mississippi State following you know the death of Mike Leach. Relationships. He worked with Zach Arnett at San Diego State. Knows Zach Arnett. This is a close circle in the coaching world, like any profession is. Radio, football, your line of work. Like you know who the people are that you have to talk to in that particular world, in that particular business, right? So let's zoom out a little bit here. Why are all these coaches leaving? What's the common thread? Because I think your mind goes to a couple of places. Is Syracuse not paying enough? That's a natural thought. Tony White is getting paid more at Nebraska than he got paid here. Now, Tony White got paid well here, all things considered. His position, where he was relative to how other coaches in the ACC got paid. And I don't think you can be comparing Syracuse to other leagues. You can just to get a sense of it. But you have to stick with your league and in context with that. So... If you live in that world, Tony White was getting paid, but couldn't resist the promotion opportunity, couldn't resist relationships, Matt Rule, couldn't resist the pay, which is better there, and couldn't resist stability. 
Matt Rule comes in. He's taking over. They're going to give him a few years to rebuild Nebraska football. Robert and I leaves. Now, Robert and I still think is the anomaly in this equation because you can't keep an eye and Beck. If you kept an eye, Beck would have uh, certainly, I think, and this is just my opinion, sought uh, seek out his opportunities to be an offensive coordinator, and who would blame him for that after spending over a decade with Robert and I? No harm, no foul. He's wants to formulate his own thing. He's in his mid forties. Robert and I's in his uh, lower sixties. At some point, you got you know you got to break up the the Batman and Robin, if you will. But Robert and I went somewhere where he got a three year contract, where he has family, where he has connections, so relationships. Dave Doran, NC State. Knows him there. Opportunity. It's the same position, but an opportunity to work with Brennan Armstrong, who we brought in from Virginia as a transfer. So you reunite there. That goes back to relationships, too. Pay. He'll get paid more at NC State than he got paid here, or at least the equivalent. But a three-year deal, longer deal, and I think that wasn't a major factor in that decision. But, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not getting paid less to go there. He's not taking a pay cut to go there. And stability. I think Doran's got a little more stability, a little more better of a contract situation than what Dino Baber says here. Do you sense a theme here? Well, we've got to go through the other ones. Nick Monroe. Nick Monroe was passed over for the defensive coordinator position. Nick Monroe, not only as a coach, but uh, more importantly, as a recruiter. State of Florida in particular. Some of the big names that he brought in. The swag. Relationships, Minnesota, home, opportunity, better title, more money at Minnesota, Big Ten money. We mentioned the pay, stability. P.J. Fleck was just given a contract extension. There is more stability at Minnesota than there is here. Chip West, probably not a name a lot of you know intimately, but not on the Nick Monroe level in terms of reputation, but the man won awards for recruiting. He coached the secondary, the cornerbacks coach, and think of the pairs that have been there. You have an Iffy Mellon Fonwu and Garrett Williams. You have a Garrett Williams and a Deuce Chestnut and all the names that have come out of that position that are NFL-caliber talents. You lost Deuce Chestnut to LSU. You lost Jihad Carter to Ohio State. And here we are assuming this is just, that's just college football. It's just the portal. It's just the way things happen. But the more names leave, the more you have to wonder what in the wide world of sports is going on here. Because the common thread with Anai, Schmidt, White, Monroe, Chip West is they all went somewhere. Where relationships were there, opportunity was there, in some cases a promotion in terms of title, pay will, would be better. But the key word here that I grab a red pen and I circle is stability. Because Dino Babers, whether you think he should have it or not, does not have a contract extension beyond his current deal, which we believe expires at the end of, it goes through 2024. That has not been made public. Syracuse contracts are not public, but it is believed that's the case. Now, I want to play a, a little bit of audio for you here. I had a conversation with Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack back in early December. This was on a, a, ch a chat on Syracuse.com. Now, keep in mind, this is early December. A lot has changed since then. You'll even hear John reference some things like, as of now, where we stand. This is just off the Boston College game. 
haven't played the bowl game yet, but I still think some things that were brought up in this conversation are relevant to what is happening in this moment. So we're going to go back. It's about two minutes. Let's listen to some things we discussed then. Next year is year eight for Dino Babers. Have you and, and Coach discussed a contract extension beyond that, beyond his current deal? Yeah, I don't. I don't get into anybody's you know individual employment um, agreements with the university. Obviously, that's confidential. I respect the question, uh, but that's that's confidential information. In your view, do you want to see Dino Babers coach beyond year eight into year nine, year ten? Do you think he deserves to do that? I hope he does because that means we're having success. Why? I I understand the details of the contract and the privacy that of that, but doesn't it send a stronger message that this is our coach for the long term that helps some of those things that you were mentioning with recruiting and everything if if there's a stabilization if people know what the contract status is you know i think i think you know how we could communicate to our recruits is this is a program that does have stability the assistant coaches that dino brought in um but at the same time is you know um i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to predict or project the long term right now if we get if we continue to improve this program he'll be the coach right and it'll it that's to me that's the focus how do we get better if we get better we'll have the success dino will be the coach his staff hopefully will retain the majority of his staff we like the staff they've done a good job um but all that starts with how do we get better that's another question, John, uh, in, in this era of, like you said, we're in the end of the transfer portal and there's a lot of things happening now as we're sort of in the offseason ahead of bowl games. Have there been any conversations about some assistant coaches that have been contacted by other schools, shown interest in other schools, or do you have your firm staff with you going into this bowl game? I think, you know, as we sit here today, and again, you know, things can change in this business in a second, as right. you know, as, as we sit here today, I think we have stability amongst our staff. Things certainly changed in this business in a second. And again, that was in early December. But a word you heard in there a couple of times was the word of the day here, stability. That's no longer the case. Half the staff has left. They will all be replaced, and maybe there will be upgrades there. But Syracuse, I want to piece together a couple of things that I've written and talked about recently. One thing I wrote during the season, and I caught some heat for this, but look, it's my job to call it as I see it. And the theme of the column, and I discussed it here on the radio too, was this is as good as it's going to get. For those that you know were seeking bigger things for Syracuse football, the harsh reality, and this is based on um, facts, this is based on numbers, this is based on records, this is not just my opinion, Look back, however long you want to look back, 20 years post-Pascalonia, however you want to frame it. Syracuse, going to a bowl game, winning about seven or eight games, that's about as good as it gets. Once a decade or so, they'll win 10 games and go to a Camping World Bowl or make a run at an undefeated record like they did in 87 or something of that nature. But the realistic, this is as good as it gets for Syracuse football, is pretty much this season. Win seven games hopefully try to win an eighth in a bowl game. But see, the split there with the 6-0 and start followed by the 1-5 and finish and all the decisions that had to be made there, I didn't blame John Wildhack for not giving Dino Babers a contract extension. He did not earn it. I agree with what John Wildhack said in there. If he has success, he'll be the coach here and making that investment. And 
you have to keep open the possibility here that that decision is now costing Syracuse some assistant coaches because, look, they got to take care of their own. How loyal are you going to be and ride it out with Babers if you don't know if he's going to be here beyond this year? And, again, that's the nature of football. But, see, opportunities knocked here. Relation, you used relationships to find opportunities to get better pay and find stability. And stability is a shaky word in the world of college football, but every position that I just mentioned, NC State, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wake Forest, would all fall on more stable ground than what Syracuse has here. To have five assistant coaches leave in the course of an offseason, that is odd. That is not normal. That is not, uh, it's, it's just college football. It's transfer portal era. No. Let me give you a frame of reference here. Georgia Tech just hired a new coach. They made a coaching change. Six new assistant coaches. Louisville gutted its staff because they went from uh, Scott Satterfield going to Cincinnati to a, a new coach coming in in Jeff Brom. So, yeah, he hired a whole new staff. He only retained one coach from the prior staff. So that's not a good frame of reference, but it kind of is in the sense that those are the teams that have high turnover rates. One or two, maybe three guys leave. Okay. And that's the other problem, and it's a good problem in a sense, that Syracuse has. It is still a stepping stone. It is still AAA. It is still a developmental program. LSU thanks you for developing Deuce Chestnut and taking him. Ohio State thanks you for developing Jihad Carter and takes him. Nebraska thanks you for developing Tony White and takes him. So that's great. You can kind of pat yourself on the back in a sense and be like, look what I did. But in the meantime, Syracuse struggles to maintain that one thing you have to try and find even in a very difficult environment to do so, stability. Relationships. What relationships are out there to replace these coaches? Maybe Rocky Long will take Syracuse to a, a new level. Maybe Steve Farmer, who comes in, and when you look at his resume, there's a mixed bag there. Tulsa gave up the fourth most amount of sacks in the country last year. Now, Tulsa, Steve Montgomery, there's some connections there. Between Dino and Steve Montgomery, who was the head coach there, he finished an eight-year run there. They were five and eight years, which is what Dino's going into, coincidentally. They went five and seven last year. Tulsa made a change. They were a very pass-happy offense. A couple other things happened there. You look at what uh, Steve Farmer did at Texas Tech, he actually has some very impressive numbers as a good resume. So it might work out. Who you bring in for Nick Monroe and Chip West, maybe better coaches and better recruiters. I think you got to be fair and at least leave open that possibility. But the perception right now that John Wildhack needs to address, that Dino Babers needs to address, is that revolving door does not stop spinning at Syracuse. Beyond the normal comings and goings of college sports, because people come and go in college sports. That's just life. But this is different. This is not normal. It's not like they're not doing things to address some of the things I brought up. They're just not there yet, right? They're seeking donations. They're in the NIL game. They're trying to tell people, look, we need more money to pay these coaches. We need to give them more reasons to stay here. And while some of those resources and some of those things have improved, 
you have a head coach who is entering the upcoming season with an uncertain status, who has been told by his athletic director, you keep, we just played the clip, if you keep being successful, you'll still be the coach here. Which is a fair take from the athletic director, let me reiterate, considering the ups and downs of Dino Babers and Syracuse football. Go look at the records. It's a roller coaster. But I don't blame these assistant coaches. If I look at the landscape and I say, okay, here's my choice. I can go somewhere where relationships, opportunity, pay, and stability are better, or I can ride or die with Dino. It's a tough call to make. In one sense, it's not a tough call at all. In the other, if you knew this was your situation at your job, I, I give you credit if you ride it out and maybe Syracuse you know, goes 9-3 and three this year and you can look back and say, whew, we stuck with that guy. He got a contract extension, and now we've got another anomaly in the college football world, a coach who stays longer. But, man, they just keep coming here, and these are talented people that are leaving you. It's not to say you can't bring talented people to bring them in, but right now the perception is Syracuse football is just a stepping stone revolving door. And when perception takes hold of reality, remember the transfer window has closed. There's another signing day coming up on February 1st. While you're still trying to build some things, you're, this has been a constant of transition this offseason. It has been one thing after the other, beyond the normal chaos that exists in the sport. Let's break on that note. We can circle back to this. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on it as well. We certainly will get into Syracuse and Georgia Tech basketball, the pick six on the way, pick four today, and other things to do on this football Friday, including next. We are going to catch up with our friend Eric Wood from the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman. Get you ready for that Bills-Bengals game. They're on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Stay right there. There are four games in the National Football League playoffs this week. You know this. Let's give you the winners. Jacks, Chiefs, KC minus 8.5. The over-under is 52.5. FBI has Kansas City up 78%. 78%! People out there think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm one of them, by the way, but let's give you some numbers here. Jacksonville is 8-5 outright and against the spread as an underdog. That's tied for the most underdog wins in a single season in the Super Bowl era. Doug Peterson is 6-0 and against the spread, 5-1 and outright as a playoff underdog. No other coach has as many playoff games as a dog without an against-the-spread loss in the Super Bowl era. Listen, that's great, but the run comes to an end because Patty Mahomes, in their four previous meetings, Week 10 included, has thrown 11 touchdowns in his past three playoff games. Trevor Lawrence, love the comeback, love the moxie, love what he showed in the second half. The Jaguars, though, had a 38.6% pressure rate during their five-game winning streak to end the regular season. That's second-best in the NFL. Yeah, that's nice, but the Chiefs led the NFL in pass-block win rate, and Mahomes is number one in the league in QBR, completion percentage, all the numbers when he doesn't face pressure, and I don't think they're going to get pressure on him. And I think not only Kansas City wins, even with Jacksonville's Pensy to cover the spread here, the Chiefs roll, the Chiefs cover. Giants, Eagles, Phillies minus seven and a half, 80% FPI rate at this point. The Giants are 17 and five against the spread. 
14 and 8 outright as a playoff underdog in the Super Bowl era. That is the most wins and the best winning percentage and the best cover percentage by any team as a playoff underdog in the Super Bowl era. Giants riding a momentum, coming off the win over Minnesota. Now, they played the last week of the season. It didn't matter. They rested starters. In the game that mattered, Eagles rolled. Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones have combined for 1,468 rushing yards. That is the most ever in a quarterback playoff matchup. It's also the first playoff matchup in which both quarterbacks had 700-plus rushing yards in the regular season. I say the Giants continue their rate of covering. They will not win, but they will cover the 7.5 on Philly. I take the over on that 48, by the way. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills! Minus five and a half against Cincinnati. The over-under is at 49. Cincinnati is 15 and four against the spread on the road since the start of last season. That includes seven and two this year. They're seven and one against the spread in their past eight games and four and zero against the spread in their past four games on the road. Meanwhile, I've been telling you, Buffalo is not covering. 3-7-1 against the spread in their last 11 games. It's not a great rate. Buffalo is 4-0 in home playoff games under Sean McDermott. Here's the one I'm worried about. The Bengals have forced 11 turnovers in the postseason in five games, dating back to last year's wild card against the Raiders. Josh Allen had 19 turnovers. He had three last week against Miami. Can Cincinnati continue that rate? And per Elias Sports Bureau, by the way, only two players have led the league in turnovers and still reached the conference title game. Eli Manning and a guy named Jim Kelly in 1992. And see, that's what I'm thinking, friends, because Josh Allen, much like Jim Kelly, the gunslinger, going to lead the Buffalo Bills to victory over Cincinnati. The Buffalo Bills defense overcomes... Gets to Joe Burrow. Yeah, Jamar Chase has had nine straight games with at least 11 receptions. Uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. The Buffalo Bills take down Cincinnati and advance to the AFC Championship game. But the Bengals cover. Let's go to the Cowboys' nine. San Francisco minus four. Dallas has lost seven straight playoff games as a dog. They're two and five against the spread. Their last playoff upset, the 1992 Conference Championship game against San Francisco, plus four. Dallas is 13-5 and five against the spread on the road since the start of last season. The 49ers are 8-1 and one against the spread as a home favorite this year. 8-2 and two against the spread overall at home. Six straight covers. Dallas wins. Dallas covers. Plus four. Watch Dallas go over the top and take down the Niners. Dallas, plus four. Sorry, everyone. Cincinnati plus five and a half. But the Buffalo Bills win. Giants plus seven and a half. Kansas City minus eight and a half. Four winners. Go cash them in, baby. We'll take it home next.